Sunshine, that's what you need, Aunt Jane. You had a bad go of pneumonia last winter, and we don't want anything like that again this year, do we? Oh, no, we certainly do not. So, I've arranged a little holiday for you in the West Indies. Oh, but surely, Raymond, I would never be able to... It's all paid for, all organised. That's really very kind of you, Raymond. Uh, but who will look after the cottage while I'm away? That's all organised, too. I've a friend who's writing a novel and wants a quiet hideaway in the country. He'll look after the place all right. He's very house-proud, probably because he's queer. Uh, uh, that's to say... There's no need to be embarrassed, Raymond. I know what a queer is. And... Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Where exactly is this place? Saint Honoré, the Golden Palm Hotel. You'll have your own little bungalow, and there's a good doctor on the island in case of emergency. You can spend day after day sitting under the palm trees in a deck chair reading the latest novels without a care in the world. It'll be perfect. Do you mean that you've had no sexual experience at all at 19? But you must. It's vital. The girl hung her head unhappily. Her straight, greasy hair fell forward over her face. I know, she muttered. I know. Well, really, to have sex experience urged on you as though it were an iron tonic. Mind you, I had some fascinating experiences when I was upcountry in Bechuanaland. I was reading one of the modern novels my nephew Raymond West had given me as a way of taking refuge from Major Palgrave's incessant monologue. But after only a few pages, I decided that the Major, with his glass eye and the general appearance of a stuffed frog, was infinitely preferable to the novelist's idea of real life. Mind you, some of the things they got up to out there weren't fit for a lady's ears. I have led a very sheltered life, I'm afraid, and you've led such a rich and exciting one. Oh, not bad, not bad at all. No complaints. <laughs> uh, lovely place, this. Sea, palm trees. Huh? It is indeed. I hope you don't mind my going on with my knitting. Oh, your privilege, dear lady. Very suitable occupation. <laughs> Does anything ever happen here, I wonder? Oh, rather. Plenty of scandals. There was even a murder here a couple of years ago. A man called Harry Weston made a big splash in the papers. Don't you remember it? He shot his wife's lover, didn't he? As I recall, everyone seems to have been drunk at the time. Uh, uh, talking of murder, I once came across a very curious case, not exactly personally. Do go on. Uh, the chap who told me the story was a medical man. Young fellow came and knocked him up in the middle of the night and... His wife had hanged herself. She wasn't dead, but pretty far gone. Anyway, she pulled through. Young fella seemed devoted to her, cried like a child, noticed that she'd been ill for some time, fits of depression, all that. Everything seemed all right. The wife seemed to have made a full recovery. But actually, about a month later, she took an overdose of sleeping stuff and passed out. Sad case. Yes, very sad. Mm. And that's that, you might say. Nothing suspicious there. Neurotic woman, nothing out of the usual. 
that about a year later, this medical chap was swapping yarns with a fellow medico, and the other chap told him about a woman who tried to drown herself. Her husband got her out, they pulled around, and then a few weeks later, she gassed herself. A very curious coincidence. Oh, oh yes, you wait. Uh, the chaps looked at one another and said it was pretty odd, and then my chap <laughs> pulled out a snapshot and showed it to the second chap. Uh, that's the fellow, he said. I'd gone along the next day to check up on the particulars, and I noticed a magnificent species of hibiscus just by the front door. My camera was in the car, and so I, I took a photo. Just as I snapped the shutter, the husband came out of the door, and I got him as well. I don't think he realized it. Anyway, the second chap took a look at the photo. He said, it's a bit out of focus, but I could swear. At any rate, I'm almost sure. It's the same man. And did they follow it up? No idea. But if they did, they didn't get anywhere. Queer story, isn't it? Hmm? Wouldn't think things like that could happen. Oh, yes, I would. Practically every day. If a man gets a formula that works, he won't stop. He'll go on. Bride's in the bath, eh? That kind of thing, yes. <laughs> Doctor, let me have the uh, snapshot as a curiosity, I mean. Lots of odds and ends in here. Don't know why I keep these things. Uh, uh, no, that's an elephant I shot in Kenya. <laughs> what tusks are you? I've forgotten all about that business. Mm, Good-looking woman she was. Uh, you'd never suspect me. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, now where? Uh, 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 like to see the picture of a murderer? Oh, honestly. Oh, you don't. Well, I'm damned. I mean... <clears throat> As I was saying, I'd like to have shown you those elephant tusks. Uh, biggest elephant I ever shot. Uh, but uh, look who's here. The inseparables. Uh, the, the loyal quartet. What, uh, what luck have you had today? No luck at all. At least no luck in getting what we were after. Uh, birds and butterflies, that's what they're looking for, Miss Marple. Oh, how, how remiss of me. Uh, do you know Miss Marple, uh, Colonel and Mrs. Hillingdon? How do you do? How do you do? So yeah. pleased to meet you. Greg and Lucky Dyson. How do you do, Miss Marple? How do you do? Hello. I shall die if somebody doesn't get me a drink. Well, Tim Kendall's just over there. Hi, Tim. Could you get us some drinks? Certainly, Mr. Dyson. What's it to be? Uh, planner's punch. That'll do very well. Just what the doctor ordered. The same for you, Miss Marple. Thank you, but I would prefer fresh lime. Fresh lime it is, and five planter's punches. Care to join us, Tim? Only wish I could. I've got the accounts to do. Can't leave Molly to cope with everything. I'm all over thorns. Edward deliberately shoved me into a thorn bush. <laughs> lovely pink flowers. And lovely long thorns. Sadistic brute, aren't you, Edward? Not like me. Full of the milk of human kindness. Aren't I, Evelyn? If you say so, Greg. Oh, by the way, we've got a steel band on tonight. Oh, I adore steel bands. But do go get us those drinks, Tim, before I expire. <laughs> I must admit, I could well have done without the steel band. It was a hideous noise and quite unnecessarily loud. Music for young people, I suppose. <laughs> but none of these people were young. They were all in their thirties and forties. For really young people, it was too expensive and too far away. It seemed a pity somehow. Oh, what a lovely dress you're wearing tonight, Mrs. Dyson. Oh. Molly Kendall was quite young, of course. She couldn't have been older than 22 or 3, and she seemed to be enjoying herself. I'm so jealous I could tear it off your back. <laughs> or was she just doing her job, keeping all her customers happy? 
I simply love that shawl you're wearing, Molly. Such a pretty color. Oh, they sell them at the shop here. Really? Oh, I must get one. Would you care to take your coffee at our table, Miss Marple? Canon Prescott, how kind of you. You know my sister, of course. Good evening, Miss Prescott. How nice of you to join us, Miss Marple. We've been having a very worthy day, visiting a new girls' school on the other side of the island. How very enterprising of you. I have done nothing except sit under the palm trees with my knitting. What a very pleasant way to pass the time. <laughs> Tell me, who is the elderly gentleman sitting over there in the corner? Oh, that's Mr. Raphael. He comes here every year. He's quite fantastically rich. He owns an enormous chain of supermarkets in the north of England. Oh. The young woman with him is his secretary, Esther Walters. She's a widow. Uh, nothing improper, of course. Very nice young woman. Her mother, I understand, lives in Chichester. Mr. Raphael has a valet with him, too, or rather a kind of nurse attendant. Jackson, his name is. Dear Mr. Raphael is practically paralyzed. So sad. With all that money, too. Oh, a generous and a cheerful giver. Mr. Raphael didn't look particularly cheerful. He resembled nothing so much as a wrinkled old bird of prey. His clothes hung loosely on his shrunken form. He might have been 70 or 80 or even 90. <laughs> now, those people with Major Polgrave... Yes, I was going to ask you about them. I met them this afternoon, but I've really no idea who they are. They were here last year. They spent three months every year in the West Indies going round the different islands. The tall, thin one is Colonel Hillingdon, and the dark woman is his wife, Evelyn. They're botanists. And the other two, Mr. and Mrs. Gregory Dyson, they are American. He writes on butterflies, I believe. And all of them are interested in birds. So nice for people to have open-air hobbies. I don't think they'd like to hear you call them hobbies, Jeremy. Huh? They have articles printed in the National Geographic and in the Royal Horticultural Journal. They take themselves very seriously. <laughs> they don't seem to be taking themselves very seriously at the moment. Bravo! <laughs> yeah, let's have another round. Tim, the same again, if you please. Major Palgrave should not drink so much. He has high blood pressure. It's so nice to get people sorted out. When I met them earlier, I wasn't sure who was married to whom. Well, as to that... Uh, Joan, uh, perhaps it would be wise to say no more. Really, Jeremy, I wasn't going to say anything. Mm -hmm. Only last year, for some reason or other, we got the idea that Mrs. Dyson was Mrs. Hillingdon, until someone told us that she wasn't. It is odd how one gets impressions, isn't it? Mr. Dyson calls his wife Lucky. That can't be her real name, surely. I've no idea what her real name is. I happened to ask him about it. He said he called her Lucky because she was his good luck piece. If he lost her, he said he'd lose his luck. Very nicely put, I thought. Yes, he's very fond of joking. You tired, darling? Just a bit. I seem to be feeling my feet tonight. Not too much for you, is it? I know it's hard work. Oh, Tim, don't be ridiculous. I love every moment of it here. It's wonderful. The kind of life I've always dreamed of. Mm. You think it's working out all right? We're making a go of it. Of, of course we are. We're a splendid team. You charm the old pussies and manage to look as though you'd like to make love to all the desperate women in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> and I ogle the old gentlemen and make them feel sexy dogs or, or play the sweet little daughter the sentimental ones would like to have had. Oh, we've got it all taped. As long as you think so. 
get scared sometimes. We've risked everything on making a go of this. I chucked a good, steady job. And you and... were quite right to do so. It was utterly soul-destroying. Why must you always worry? I'm made that way, I suppose. I'm always wondering what might happen if something went wrong. What do you mean? What sort of thing? Oh, I don't know. Somebody might get drowned. Rubbish. It's one of the safest beaches on the islands. Oh, I know. I'm a fool. I should stop worrying. You... You haven't had any more of those awful dreams, have you? That was shellfish. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Marple. I brought you your breakfast. Oh, thank you, Victoria. Shall I draw the curtains? Yes, if you'd be so kind. Oh, another fine, sunny day. But I suppose that all the days here are fine and sunny. Mostly, Miss, except when there's hurricanes. Oh, I don't call that weather. That's more in the nature of an act of God. And we often get heavy rainstorms, but they never last for long. One minute everything's winging wet, and the next it's dry again. <laughs> Enjoy your breakfast. <sighs> a boiled egg and a slice of pawpaw. Somehow it always seems to be pawpaw. Oh, what wouldn't I give for a nice apple? Apples seem to be quite unknown here. So, how am I going to spend today? The same as usual, I suppose. Sit on the terrace with my knitting? Or go down to the beach and watch the bathers and the children? It really doesn't matter very much. Today will be a day like any other day here. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Kendall. Good morning, Miss Marple. My dear, you look quite distressed. Oh, do sit down. Thank you. Is there something wrong? I'm afraid there is. Oh, you'll have to know sooner or later. Everyone will. It's Major Palgrave. He's dead. Dead? Yes, he died in the night. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, yes, it's horrid having a death here. It makes everyone depressed. Of course, he was quite old. He seemed quite well and cheerful yesterday. I had a long talk with him. Perfectly healthy, I thought he was. He did have high blood pressure. But surely there are things one takes nowadays, some kind of pill. Oh, yes, but perhaps he forgot to take his pills or, or took too many of them. Hmm. What does the doctor say? Fortunately, Dr. Graham lives here in the hotel. He's practically retired now. He took a look at him and the local people came officially, of course, to give a death certificate. It all seems quite straightforward. This kind of thing is quite liable to happen when you have high blood pressure, especially if you overdo the alcohol. And Major Polgrave was really very naughty that way. Last night, for instance. Yes, I noticed he was very merry. So he probably forgot to take his pills. It is bad luck for the old boy, but people can't live forever, can they? But it's terribly worrying. For me and Tim, I mean. People might suggest it was something in the food. But surely the symptoms of food poisoning and of blood pressure are quite different. Yes, but people do say things so easily. And if the guests decided the food was to blame and left or told their friends... Oh, I really don't think you need worry, my dear. As you say, an elderly man like Major Palgrave, well, he must have been over 70, is quite liable to die without warning. To most people, it will seem quite an ordinary occurrence. Sad but not out of the way at all. I'm sure you're right. If only it hadn't been so sudden. 
I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's too pat, too convenient. One day he's sitting there telling me about a murder, about more than one murder, and the next... He was hunting in his wallet for a photograph. Like to see the picture of a murderer? But he never did show it to me. He looked up and saw something, someone, behind me. Behind my right shoulder, and he suddenly stopped. He went quite purple in the face, and he put the picture back into his wallet and started stuffing it back into his pocket. And then the Hillingdons and the Dysons joined us. What made him put the photograph away and start talking about some elephant he'd shot? Who was it that he saw? Could it possibly have been the person in the snapshot? Somehow or other, I must get a look at that photograph. Victoria? Victoria? Yes, Miss Marple? Is there something I can get you? I'm not feeling very well, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Miss Marple. Can I help you in some way? What can I get you? Would you ask Dr. Graham if he'd be good enough to come and see me? I'm going back to my bungalow. Well, there's nothing radically wrong with your knee, Miss Marple, as far as I can see. But if it's giving you pain, there are some pills which ought to relieve it. I'll give you a prescription. Oh, that's very kind of you, Doctor. Not at all. It's my job, after all. And you're sure that that's all that's troubling you? There is something I should like to ask you, Dr. Graham. I, I really don't like mentioning it, but I don't quite see what else I'm to do. Although, of course, it is quite unimportant, really. But you see, it is important to me. Something is worrying you. What is it? It's connected with Major Palgrave. So sad about his dying. It was quite a shock when I heard about it this morning. Yes, it was very sudden, I'm afraid. He seemed in such good spirits yesterday. We were sitting outside my bungalow talking together. He was telling me about his varied and interesting life. Yes, he often talked to me about it. And then he spoke of his family and his boyhood, and I told him a little about my own nephews and nieces, and he listened very sympathetically. And I showed him a snapshot I had with me of one of my nephews, such a dear boy. Well, at least not exactly a boy now, but always a boy to me, if you understand. Quite so. I handed it to him, and he was examining it when quite suddenly those people... Oh, those very nice people who collect flowers and butterflies... The Hillingdons and the Dysons. Yes, that's right. They came along laughing and talking. They sat down and ordered drinks, and we all talked together. And without thinking, Major Palgrave must have put my snapshot into his wallet and returned it to his pocket. I wasn't paying much attention at the time, but I remembered afterwards, and I said to myself, I mustn't forget to ask the Major to give me back my picture of Denzel in the morning. Uh, only this morning... Quite so. Uh, I do understand. And you naturally want the snapshot back, is that it? Yes, that's it. You see, it's the only one I possess, and I haven't got the negative, and I would so hate to lose that snapshot, because poor Denzel died some five or six years ago, and he was my favourite nephew. I wondered, it is rather tiresome of me, I know, whether you could possibly manage to get hold of it for me. I don't really know who else to ask, you see. Of course, of course, I quite understand. Actually, I'm meeting the local authorities shortly, and someone will be coming to look over his papers and effects before communicating with his next of kin. Uh, if you could uh, describe the snapshot. It's just the front of a house, and someone... 
Denzel, I mean, coming out of the front door. Uh-huh. It was taken by one of my other nephews, who's rather fond of flower shows, and he was photographing a rather fine hibiscus, and Denzel just happened to come out of the house at the time. It wasn't a very good photograph of him, I'm afraid. It's rather blurred, in fact, but I liked it, and I've always kept it. Well, that seems clear enough. I don't envisage that we'll have any difficulty in getting your picture back for you, Miss Marple. He was such a nice man, and I felt rather ashamed of having to tell him so many lies, but what else was I to do? The funeral of Major Paul Grave took place the following day. I went with Miss Prescott, and her brother the canon read the service. After that, life went on as usual. The Major's death was a slightly unpleasant incident, but one that was soon forgotten. Life here was sunshine, sea and social pleasures. In another week's time, nobody would even remember him or spare him a passing thought. Rather to my surprise, I found that I quite missed him. Good afternoon, Miss Marple. Good afternoon, Dr. Graham. I have rather disappointing news for you, I'm afraid. Oh, you mean about uh, my... Yes. We haven't found that precious snapshot of yours. I fear it will be a great disappointment to you. Yes. Yes, it is, but of course it doesn't really matter. It was just sentimentality, I realise that now. It wasn't in Major Palgrave's wallet, then? No, nor anywhere among his things. There were a few letters and newspaper clippings in various odds and ends, but no sign of a snapshot, such as you've mentioned. Oh, dear. Oh, well, it can't be helped. Thank you very much for the trouble you've taken. Oh, it was no trouble. I know very well from my own experience how much family trifles mean to one, especially as one is getting older. Quite. It seems so sad to think of the Major dying so far away from home, though I gather he had no immediate family. It seems he lived by himself in London. He travelled a fair amount, I believe. At any rate, in the winter, he didn't care for our English winters. Can't say I blame him. He had high blood pressure, I believe. I didn't know that. He spoke to you about it, didn't he? Oh, no. He never mentioned it. It was somebody else who told me. I suppose death was to be expected under those circumstances. Well, not necessarily. There are methods of controlling blood pressure nowadays. His death did seem very sudden. You were not surprised? Well, I wasn't particularly surprised in a man of that age, but I certainly didn't expect it. Frankly, he always seemed to me to be in very good form, but I'd never attended him professionally. Does one know, I mean, does a doctor know, when a man has high blood pressure simply by looking at him? Not just by looking. One has to do a bit of testing. Oh, you mean that dreadful thing when they put a band of rubber round your arm and blow it up? <laughs> oh, I dislike it so much. My doctor said that my blood pressure was really very good for my age. That's reassuring. Of course, the Major was rather fond of planter's punch. Yes, alcohol's not the best thing if you have blood pressure. One takes tablets, doesn't one? Yes, there was a bottle of them in Palgrave's room. Seronite, I think they were. How wonderful medicine is nowadays. How's the knee? Not been too troublesome? No, no, it seems much better. Sorry, I couldn't be more helped you over that snapshot business. You could not have been kinder. Did you say there were no photographs in the Major's wallet? Oh, yes. Uh, there was one of an elephant and another of a dead tiger. He was standing with his foot on it. Snaps of that sort. But the one you described of your uh, nephew was definitely not there. 
I looked very carefully, I assure you. Oh, I'm sure you did, and I didn't mean that. I was just interested. We all keep such very odd things. Treasures from the past. But I must be on my way, Miss Marple. Goodbye, Doctor, and thank you. Good day, Miss Marple. Major Palgrave would never have thrown that photograph away. He replaced it in his wallet, and it should have been there after his death. So whoever took it must have had a very particular reason for doing so. Was it just a coincidence that the Major should have died on that same night? And did he really suffer from blood pressure? If someone stole that snapshot, the same person could have put the bottle of tablets in his room. Or am I just making the whole thing up? Do I really have anything to go on? Like to see the picture of a murderer? I can't just leave things as they are. Who could the Major have seen that made him put the snapshot away so hurriedly? Was it the Dysons or the Hillingdons? Or could he have seen that valet of Mr. Raphael's coming out of the door of his bungalow? That would have been in his line of sight over my shoulder. I will just have to look into it all very carefully. Wake up, man! What do you want, Vicky? It's the middle of the night. Wake up, Jim! I want to talk to you. What's so important that it won't wake till tomorrow? What's worrying you? Hmm? That Major Palgrave who died. There's something wrong about it. What do you want to worry about that for? Hmm? He was old. He died. It's the pills. The pills the doctor asked me about. What about them? It took too many, maybe. No, it's not that. Listen, I've never seen them in his room before. So what? There's nothing in that. Just forget about it, Vicky. There's no good looking for trouble. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone and go back to sleep. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll speak to Mrs. Kendall in the morning. There's something wrong about the way he died. My nephew, Raymond West, had decided that it would be good for my rheumatism for me to have a winter holiday on the island of St. Honoré. To be perfectly honest, although it was very pleasant to sit about in the sun all day, I was beginning to get just a little bit bored. And then suddenly... Old Major Palgrave was found dead in his bed only a few hours after he'd been about to show me the picture of a murderer, or so he said. I couldn't help wondering whether the Major really had died a natural death. I had taken my knitting down to the beach and found a shady place for myself. Old Mr. Raphael was there, looking painfully thin in his beach attire and giving his secretary a very hard time as usual. Are you going to take your dip now, Mr. Raphael? I'll go in when I'm ready. It's past your usual time. And what of that? You should know very well by now. I'm not the kind of man to be tied by the clock. I'm perfectly happy sitting here. Very well, Mr. Raphael. And I don't like these espadrilles. I told that fool Jackson that they pinched my feet. The man never pays attention to a word I say. I'll fetch you some others. No, you won't. You'll sit down here and keep quiet. I hate people rushing around like clucking hens. 
You don't mind if I put myself down here, do you, Miss Marple? No, no, of course not. I'll move my chair. Thanks. Oh, I'm afraid the beach does get rather crowded at this time of the morning. Oh, it doesn't worry me, really. I can still hardly believe that I'm here. I have never been to the West Indies before, you know, Mrs. Hillingdon. I suppose you know this part of the world very well. I've been on this island once or twice before. You go looking for butterflies, don't you, and wildflowers? Mm. You and your friends? Or are they relatives? The Dysons? Friends, nothing more. And I suppose you go about together a great deal because of your interests being the same? Yes, we've travelled with one another for some years now. I'm sure you must have had some rather exciting adventures. I don't think so. Adventures always seem to happen to other people. No dangerous encounters with snakes or wild animals? Nothing worse than insect bites. <laughs> Poor Major Palgrave, you know, was bitten by a snake once. Was he? Did he never tell you about it? Perhaps. I don't remember. He always had such interesting stories to tell. What are you going on about? Major Palgrave was a ghastly old boar, and he was a fool. He needs to have died if he looked after himself properly. Oh, come now, Mr. Raphael. I know what I'm talking about, Esther. If you look after your health properly, you're all right anywhere. Now, look at me. The doctors gave me up years ago. All right, I said. I've got my own rules of health, and I shall keep to them. And here I am. Poor Major Palgrave had high blood pressure. D nonsense. Oh, but he did. Who says so? Did he tell you? He looked very red in the face. You can't go by that. But anyway, I know he didn't have high blood pressure because he told me. What do you mean, he told you? I mean, you can't exactly tell people you haven't got a thing. Yes, you can. I said to him once, when he was downing all those planter's punches and eating too much, I said, you ought to watch your diet and your drink. You've got to think of your blood pressure at your age. And he said he'd nothing to look out for in that line, that his blood pressure was very good for his age. But he took some medicine for it, I believe. Something called, oh, uh, something like serenite. If you ask me, I don't think he ever would like to admit there could be anything the matter with him or that he could be ill. I think he was one of those people who are afraid of illness. The trouble is everybody's too fond of knowing other people's ailments. They think everybody over 50 is going to die of hypertension or coronary thrombosis or one of those things. That's rubbish. If a man says there's nothing wrong with him, I don't suppose there is. And a man ought to know about his own health. What's the time? Quarter to 12. A quarter to 12? I ought to have had my dip long ago. Why can't you remind me about these things? Look, help me up, will you, Esther? Have you been here in Evelyn? What's the water like? Just the same as always. Ah. Never much variation, is there? Do you know where Lucky is? I've no idea, Greg. I haven't seen her. Oh, well. It's time I gave my celebrated impersonation of a whale. The fastest crawling saint on a rail! You coming in again, Evelyn? <sighs> Why not? There isn't anything else to do. The Hillingdons and the Dysons. I couldn't help feeling there was something distinctly odd about that relationship. And was it one of them that Major Paul Grave had caught sight of when he was about to show me the picture of a murderer? And was that why he had suddenly put it back into his wallet? I was certain that there was something wrong about the Major's death. May I speak to you, Mrs. Kendall? Yes, of course, Victoria. What is it? I'd like to tell you something. Is anything wrong? I don't know for sure. It's about the old major gentleman who died. What about him? There was a bottle of pills in his room. Yes. The doctor found them on the bathroom shelf. He seemed quite satisfied. But I got to thinking afterwards. 
Those pills, the serenite, they weren't there before. You mean you think that... I don't know what to think. I just wanted to tell you about it. Perhaps you could talk to the doctor. Perhaps someone put the pills there so he took them and died. Oh, I don't imagine that's at all likely. You don't know. People do bad things. I'll make inquiries, Victoria, don't worry. And above all, don't go starting a lot of silly rumours. No, Mrs Kendall, I won't. And thank you. I just felt I had to tell somebody. Oh, good morning, Mr Kendall. Hello, Victoria. Tell somebody what? She says the pills, th the ones Dr Graham found in the Major's room, weren't there before. What were the pills, anyway? Well, I don't really know. The doctor who came over for the inquest, Dr Robinson, said they were something to do with blood pressure, I think. Well, there's nothing unusual in that. Lots of people take those sorts of pills. I know, but Victoria seemed to think it might have been one of those pills that killed him. Oh, darling, that's a bit too melodramatic. You mean that somebody might have changed his blood pressure pills for something else and that they poisoned him? It does sound absurd when you put it like that. But you know how they work themselves up, these girls? Well, if you're really worried about it, we'd better go and ask Dr Graham. He's bound to know. But how could the girl get such a fantastic idea into her head? Did she see anything or hear anything? Well, all she said was that there was a bottle labelled ser um, Seren something. Uh, serenite, a well-known preparation. He'd been taking it regularly. Apparently, Victoria said she'd never seen it in his room before. Never seen it there before? What does she mean? Well, she cleans his room every day, and I suppose she knew the things in there off by heart. Tooth powder, shaving things. But this Serenite, she hadn't seen it there until the day after he died. That's certainly very odd. I suppose I'd better have a word with the girl myself. I'll get her to come over and see you. I don't want to get in no trouble. I didn't put that bottle there, and I don't know who did. But do you really think it was put there? Well, you see, Doctor, it must have been put there if it wasn't there before. Major Polgrave could have kept it in a drawer or in a dispatch case. But why would he want to do that if he was taking the stuff all the time? You're right. He'd have had to take it several times a day. You never saw him taking it? No, he didn't have it there before. So I thought that if the stuff had something to do with his death, poisoned his blood, then maybe an enemy put it there to kill him. Well, that's absolute nonsense. The serenite couldn't possibly do anyone any harm. Quite the contrary. I can assure you that there was nothing wrong with that medicine. It was the proper thing for a man to take who had high blood pressure. Well, thank you, Doctor. You've certainly taken a load off my mind. I'm very glad to hear it. You needn't worry about the matter anymore. I won't do that. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye. Administrator's office, I'd like to speak to Mr. Davenger, please. Yes, it is quite urgent. There's that interfering old biddy coming out of a bungalow. This place isn't what it used to be. Can't move a step without some old hen getting under your feet. Have you typed those letters out yet? I haven't had time. Well, I can't see why that is. I bring you out here to do a bit of work, not to sit about sunning yourself and showing off your figure. Such a lovely evening, isn't it? Well, why not? That's what we're here for, isn't it? Oh, you're so severe. Of course, the weather is a very English subject of conversation. One forgets. Oh, dear. This is the wrong wool. How foolish of me. You don't mind my leaving my knitting bag here, do you? I shan't be long. I must get away while I've got the chance. Jackson! Don't you think she might consider it rather rude? No, I don't care what she considers. Jackson! 
What do all ladies come to the West Indies for, anyway? Where do you suggest they should go? Well, to Cheltenham or Bournemouth or Torquay or Langidot Wells. Plenty of choice. They like places like that. Where the hell is that Jackson? I'm here, Mr. Raphael. I'll have my massage now before that chattering old hen comes back. Now, <coughs> the massage does me a bit of good. Oh, oh, take me back inside. Yes, Mr. Oh. Oh. So silly of me. Oh, I do hope I'm not disturbing you. Of course not. I've got to go off and do some typing in a minute, but I'm going to enjoy the sunset for a while first. Mr. Raphael's gone inside for a massage. I couldn't help feeling just a little bit curious about Esther Walters. No one could possibly describe her as glamorous, but she was quite attractive. Or could have been, if she'd tried. So why didn't she? Surely Mr. Raphael wouldn't have minded. He was so completely taken up in his own affairs that she might have got herself up like a hoory in paradise without him objecting. Besides, he always went to bed very early. And in the evening hours, she might well have blossomed. But it was time to lead the conversation in the direction of Mr. Raphael's valet. It must be such a help having someone like Jackson around. He's very competent. A fully trained masseur. I suppose he has been with Mr. Raphael a long time. Oh, no. About nine months, I think. And is he married? I don't think so. At least he's never mentioned it. Definitely not married, I'd say. He's quite good-looking. Yes, I suppose he is. Have you worked for Mr. Raphael long? Four or five years. After my husband died, I had to take a job again. I've got a daughter at school, and my husband left me rather badly off. Mr. Raphael must be quite a difficult man to work for. Not really, once you've got to know him. He flies into rages very easily, but it doesn't mean anything. I think the real trouble is that he gets bored with people. <laughs> He's had five different ballet attendants in two years. He likes having someone new to bully. But he and I have always got on very well. Mr. Jackson seems a very obliging young man. He's very tactful and resourceful. However, I think he manages to have quite a good time. But then everyone here seems to be having a good time as far as I can tell. The Hillingdons and the Dysons certainly seem to enjoy themselves. The Hillingdons have been coming here for the past two or three years, I think. But Gregory Dyson goes back much longer than that. He knows the West Indies very well. He came here originally with his first wife. She was delicate and had to go abroad in the winter. And she died? Or was it a divorce? No. No, she died out here. I don't mean this particular island, but somewhere in the West Indies. There was some sort of trouble, I believe, some sort of scandal or other. He never talks about her. I gather they didn't get on very well. And then he married this wife, Lucky. Really a most incredible name. I believe she was a relation of his first wife. Have they known the Hillingdons a great many years? Only since the Hillingdons started coming out to the West Indies, I think. <laughs> The Hillingdons seem very pleasant. Quiet, of course. Yes, they're both quiet. Everyone says they're devoted to one another. But you don't think they are? You don't really think so yourself, do you, my dear? Well, I have wondered sometimes. Quiet men like Colonel Hillingdon are often attracted to flamboyant types. Lucky. <laughs> Such a curious name. Do you think Mr. Dyson has any idea of what may be going on? I can't imagine. 
It's very sad about poor Major Palgrave, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. Though the people I'm really sorry for are the Kendalls. Oh, yes, it is rather unfortunate when something of that kind happens in one's hotel. People come here, you see, to enjoy themselves, don't they? To forget about illnesses and death and income tax and frozen pipes and all the rest of it. They don't like any reminders of mortality. Now, that is very well put, my dear. Very well put indeed. And you see, they're quite a young couple. They only took over from the Sandersons six months ago, and they're terribly worried about whether they're going to make a success of it or not, because they haven't had much experience. And you really think this might be disadvantageous to them? Well, no, I don't, frankly. I don't think people remember anything out here for more than a day or two. Not in this atmosphere of, we've all come to enjoy ourselves, let's get on with it. <laughs> I've told Molly so, but of course she is a warrior. Oh, I have never thought of Mrs. Kendall as a warrior. She always seems so carefree. Hmm. I suspect a lot of that is put on. Actually, I think she's one of those anxious sort of people who can't help worrying all the time that things may go wrong. I should have thought Mr. Kendall worried more than she did. Oh, no. I don't think so. I imagine she's the worrier, and he worries because she worries, if you know what I mean. That is interesting. I think Molly wants desperately to try and appear very gay and to be enjoying herself. She works very hard at it, but the effort exhausts her. And she has those odd fits of depression. She's not, um, well, not really very well balanced. Oh, poor child. I don't think Molly really has anything to worry about in this case. I mean, people are dying of coronary thrombosis or cerebral hemorrhage or things of that kind all the time these days. Major Palgrave never mentioned to me that he had high blood pressure, did he to you? He said so to somebody. I don't know who. It may have been Mr. Raphael. I know that Mr. Raphael says just the opposite, but then he's like that. Certainly Jackson mentioned it to me once. He said that the Major ought to be more careful over the alcohol he took. I see. I expect you found the Major a rather boring old man. He told lots of stories and I expect repeated himself a great deal. <laughs> That's the worst of it. You do hear the same story again and again, unless you can manage to be quick enough to fend it off. There was one story he was fond of telling about a murder. I expect he told you that, did he? I believe he did. Now I come to think of it. Something about someone who gassed themselves, wasn't it? Only, really, it was the wife who gassed him. I mean, she'd given him a sedative of some kind and then stuck his head in the gas oven. Was that it? I don't think that was exactly it. <laughs> he told such a lot of stories, and one doesn't always listen. He had a snapshot that he used to show people. Yes, he did. Did he show it to you? Uh, no, he didn't show it to me. We were interrupted. Well... That must have been a relief. I did not really feel that I had got to the bottom of the business about the Hillingdons and the Dysons. I rather got the impression that Esther Walters thought I was just an old scandalmonger. I decided that perhaps I might have better luck with Miss Prescott, the Cannon's sister. The story I heard... Yes, Miss Prescott? It seemed... Though, of course, I don't want to talk any scandal, and I really know nothing about it. Oh, I quite understand. Well, it seems that there was some talk even when Mr. Dyson's first wife was still alive. Really? Apparently, this woman, Lucky, who was, I think, a cousin of his first wife, came out here and joined them and did some work with him on birds or butterflies or whatever it was. 
was. And people talked because they got on so well together, if you know what I mean. People do notice things so often, don't they? And then, of course, when his wife died rather suddenly... She died here, on this island? No, I think they were in Martinique or Tobago at the time. I see. But I gathered from some other people who were there at the time that the doctor wasn't satisfied. Now, that is interesting. It was only gossip, of course, but... Well, Mr. Dyson certainly married again very quickly. Only a month, I believe. Only a month? It seemed unfeeling. Oh, I can well imagine. Was there any money? I don't really know. He makes his little joke. Perhaps you've heard him about his wife being his lucky piece. Yes, I've heard him. And some people think that that means that he was lucky to marry a rich wife. Though, of course, she's very good-looking, if you care for that type. Some men do, I believe. I think myself that it was the first Mrs. Dyson who had the money. Are the Hillingdons well off? Well off, yes, but not fabulously rich. They have two boys at public school and a very nice place in Hampshire. And, oh, but there's my brother. I promised to walk round the island with him and he mustn't see me here gossiping. Do excuse me. And she was off. But at least I felt that I was beginning to get a little further. I sat there for a while, staring at the sea. And then Mr. Dyson came by. Any for your thoughts, Miss Marple? Good morning. I couldn't help wondering how he would have reacted had I replied, I was wondering if you were a murderer. And it seemed most probable that he was. It all fitted in so nicely. The story about the death of the first Mrs. Dyson. Major Palgrave had certainly been talking about a wife murderer. Didn't he mention the brides in the baths? The trouble was that it all fitted too well. But who was I to demand murders made to measure? And then Lucky herself passed by, evidently in pursuit of Mr. Dyson. Forty if she's a day and looks it this morning. The Luckies of this world are so vulnerable to time. No, that's fine, Jackson, but don't fuss. I'll be perfectly all right here by myself. There was no time to be lost. Mr. Raphael was never left to himself for long, and I simply had to speak to him alone. Well, what do you want? I want to ask you something. All right, let's have it. You want a subscription, I suppose? Missions in Africa or a new church roof or something of that kind? As it happens, I am interested in several objects of that nature, and I shall be delighted if you will give me a subscription for them. <laughs> but what I was going to ask you was whether Major Palgrave ever told you about a murder. Oh, so he told it to you too, did he? And I suppose you fell for it, hook, line and sinker. I didn't really know what to think. What exactly did he tell you? He prattled on about some fantastic woman. Lucretia Borgia reincarnated. Beautiful, young, golden-haired, everything. Oh? And whom did she murder? Her husband, of course. Who do you think? Did the Major show you a snapshot? A snapshot of the woman, you mean? No. Why should he? No particular reason. Jackson. Jackson! Shall I find him for you, Mr. Raphael? You'll never find him. He's off tomcatting somewhere. Bad character. But he suits me, all right. Jackson! I'll go and fetch him for you. No, that's not the way things stand, Tim. If you really Mr. want to Mr. Know... Jackson, I'm sorry to disturb you, but Mr. Raphael is asking for you. I've only just left him. Oh, he seemed most insistent. No peace for the wicked. 
I thought that special diet order he gave me would leave me at least a quarter of an hour's alibi. <laughs> Apparently not. Thanks for the drink, Tim. I feel sorry for that chap. I have to stand him a drink every now and then just to cheer him up. Can I offer you something, Miss Marple? How about a fresh lime? Oh, not just now, thank you. Good day, Miss Marple. Good day, Doctor. Dr. Graham looks rather worried. Uh, it's not surprising. We're all worried. Oh, because of Major Polgrave's death. Oh, I've left off worrying about that. People seem to have taken it in their stride. No, it, it's my wife, Molly. Oh. She's been having a succession of really bad dreams, nightmares. And we all have them once in a while, but she seems to have them nearly all the time. They frighten her. She's got some sleeping pills, but she says they only make it worse. She struggles to wake up and can't. What are the dreams about? Oh, well, something or someone chasing her. And people watching her, spying on her all the time. She can't shake off the feeling even when she's awake. Couldn't a doctor well, give that's her... just the trouble. Dr Graham offered to help, but she won't hear of it. She's got a thing against doctors. Perhaps it's just that old Paul Graves' death upset her, I don't know. But uh, I'd better be getting on with the daily chores. Um, you're sure about that fresh line? Uh, quite sure, thank you. I want to have a word with Dr Graham. Uh, he's over there, at the table under the palm trees. You mean that the snapshot you asked me to look for had nothing to do with your nephew at all? There wasn't any such thing. I made it up, I'm afraid. But why would you want to do that? Well... You see, I was talking to Major Palgrave, or rather, he was talking to me, and he told me this story about a murder. And he took out his wallet and was about to show me a picture of the murderer when he suddenly caught sight of someone behind me and put the photo back into his wallet very quickly. Uh, now, let's get this quite clear. You thought that what he was going to show you was the photograph of a murderer? That's what he said it was. At least... He said it was given him by this acquaintance who had told him this story about a man who was a murderer. And you believed him? Oh, I don't know if I really believed him or not at the time, but then, you see, the next day, he was found dead. I see, yes. I do see. That was why I asked you to look for the snapshot, but obviously it had disappeared. Excuse me, Miss Marple, but is what you're telling me now, is it really true this time? I don't wonder you're doubting me, but it is true. And even if you don't believe me, I thought I ought to tell you. Why? I thought you ought to have the fullest possible information in case... in case you decided to take any steps about it. Well, thank you, Miss Marple. And thank you for being so honest with me. As it happens, I'm going over to Jamestown this afternoon to have a word with Daventry at the administrator's office. I might mention it to him. Look here, Graham. You don't think you may be making too much of a rather fanciful story told you by an elderly lady. I mean, you know what these old dears are like. Yes, I know that. I've said the same thing to myself, but I can't quite convince myself. There's something about this particular elderly lady that rings true. Well, the only thing you've got to go on is that a chambermaid says that a bottle of pills which the authorities had relied on for evidence wasn't in the Major's room before his death. But there could be a hundred explanations for that. The girl could simply have made a mistake. She was very positive. <sighs> what do you want me to do? Go to the CID? Suggest they dig the old boy up? It'd make a lot of trouble. It could know. be kept quiet. Kept quiet? In Saint Honoré? The grapevine would be onto it before it had even happened. Oh, all the same, I suppose we'll have to do something. But if you ask me, it's all a mare's nest. I profoundly hope it is. I really do. 
but I have a nasty feeling our elderly lady may be onto something. Do you know, if it hadn't been for the strange death of Major Palgrave, I might have begun to find my holiday on St Honoré just a little bit boring. Lovely, of course, but the sun shone just the same every day, and the sea was always that particular shade of blue. However, the Major had given me something to think about. He was about to show me the picture of a murderer, or so he said. And then he saw someone coming and put it back in his wallet. Was that why he had died so suddenly that night? And who was it that he had seen coming? Could it possibly have been Mr. Dyson? It was one of those evenings when there seemed to be something electric in the atmosphere. Soon there would be light and laughter and dancing. But now, just as it was beginning to get dark, it was as if the whole island were waiting for something to happen. Colonel Hillingdon seemed particularly ill at ease, restlessly pacing the terrace, and Gregory Dyson, who had evidently been drinking, was weaving his way unsteadily into the dining room. Can't you stop working for a moment, Molly? Why don't you just relax and enjoy life a little? I'm just checking that the tables are properly laid, Mr. Dyson. Mr. Dyson? Aren't we being a bit formal? I thought we were all one big happy family. Ed and Evelyn and me and Lucky and you and Tim and Esther Wallace and old Raphael. Aren't we all one big happy family? Oh, um, Tim and I think it's more polite not to be too free with Christian names. Oh, don't give me any of that. Come on, Molly, my little love. Let me buy you a drink. Ask me later. I have a few things I must get on with before dinner. Oh, no, you haven't. You're a lovely girl, Molly. I hope Tim appreciates what a lucky man he is. I see to it that he does. I could go for you in a big way, you know. Though I wouldn't let my wife hear me say so. I really must go, Mr. Dyson. Tim will be wondering where I've got to. What kept you? You look quite flustered. Oh, Gregory Dyson. What did he want? He wanted to make a pass at me. Blast. Oh, don't worry. I can do all the blasting necessary. Oh, and now I'm going to slip down to the beach. Grab a few minutes to myself before the evening gets going. Mr. Dyson! What? What is it? Who's that? It's only Victoria, Mr. Dyson. What do you want? I brought you this, sir. It does belong to you, doesn't it? My bottle of serenite tablets. Where did you find it? I found it where it had been put. In the gentleman's room. What do you mean? What gentleman? The gentleman who is dead. I do not think he sleeps very well in his grave. Why the devil not? Are you telling me you found my bottle of tablets in Major Palgrave's bungalow? Yes, that's right. You missed them. Don't you remember you asked me about them? Yes, yes, I did. I thought I just mislaid them. No, you did not mislay them, Mr. Dyson. They were taken from your bungalow and put in Major Palgrave's bathroom. How do you know? I know. I saw. Someone put them in a dead gentleman's room. And now, I've given them back to you. What do you mean? Who did you see? Victoria! What's the matter, Greg? Who is that you're talking to? Well, Victoria, the, the girl who does our place. What does she want? Making a pass at you? Don't be stupid, Lucky. She's got some idiotic idea into her head. What about? But you remember I couldn't find my serenite tablets the other day? You said you couldn't. What the devil do you mean by that? Oh, for goodness sake, what's got into you? Oh, I'm sorry. Everybody goes about being so damn mysterious. 
That girl brought the tablets back to me. Had she stolen them? No, she found them somewhere, I think. So what's all the mystery? Oh, nothing. She just riled me, that's all. trouble between you and Tim? Oh, no, it's not that. Thank goodness for that. You always look so happy. No more than you do. Tim and I are always saying how wonderful it is that you and Colonel Ellingdon seem so happy together after being married for so many years. I'm glad we managed to give that impression. If you want to know the truth, we've hardly said a word to one another in private for the last three years. I can't believe it. Oh, we both put up quite a good show. But what went wrong? Oh, just the usual. Another woman? Yes, another woman. And I don't suppose it would be too difficult for you to guess who she is. Do you mean Mrs. Dyson? Lucky? Edward just lost his head completely over her. He was stupid enough to come and tell me about it. It made him feel better, I suppose. It didn't occur to him that it wouldn't make me feel better. Did he want to leave you? Oh, no. He didn't want to break up the happy home. And there are the children, remember? Lucky didn't want a divorce either. Greg's a very rich man after all. So we agreed to live and let live. And what about Greg? As far as I know, Greg's in blissful ignorance. How can you bear it? One gets used to anything. But sometimes... I'd like to kill that woman. But how the hell did we get on to all this? We're supposed to be talking about you. What's the matter, Molly? It's just... It's just that I think there's something wrong with me. Wrong? What do you mean, wrong? What sort of wrong? I'm frightened. I'm terribly frightened. What are you frightened of? Everything. Voices in the bushes, doors opening, footsteps. As though someone were watching me all the time, spying on me. Somebody hates me, I'm certain of that. Somebody hates me. Oh, my dear child. How long has all this been going on? I don't know. It started by degrees. And there have been other things, too. There are times that I can't account for. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's five o'clock and I can't remember anything since half past two. Oh, but surely that's just because And I'm you're... in a different place. Sometimes I'm wearing different clothes and sometimes I've been talking to people and not even remembering that I've done so. Molly, my dear, you ought to see a doctor. I won't see a doctor. I wouldn't go near a doctor. Does Tim know about all this? Not really. But he's anxious about me, and he watches me. It's as though he were trying to shield me from something. But it's getting late. I must be getting back to the kitchen. I'm sorry to have gone on like that. It's probably nothing. I think I'm onto something, Jim. How do you mean? I think I'm onto something. It may mean money, real money. Now look, girl, you be careful. Don't get yourself tangled up in something that may be dangerous. I know how to look after myself, and I know how to play this game. It's big money. I know it. Something I see and something I guess. And I think I guess right.
Where were you just now? Down on the beach. Why? Oh, no reason. It's time we changed for dinner. Mm. Greg and Lucky will be waiting for us. Uh, there's no rush. Evelyn? Yes? Edward? Would you mind if we chucked all this in and went back to England? But we've only just come out here. I know. But would you mind? You really want to go back to England? Back home? Yes. Leaving Lucky here? Yes, leaving Lucky here. Why? Because I'm at breaking point. I can't stick it anymore. I want to get out of here. You fell wildly in love with Lucky, and now you've got over it? Is that what you're telling me? Or is it over on her side? Is that the trouble? Does Greg know about it? I've often wondered. I don't know. He never says anything. He seems friendly enough. Men can be extraordinarily obtuse. Look, what's all this about, Edward? Has Lucky got some kind of hold over you, is that it? You must tell me the truth. It's the only way if you want me to stand by you. If I don't get away from that woman soon, I shall kill her. I can understand that, but why you, for goodness sake? Because of what she made me do. What did she make you do? I helped her to commit a murder. Lucky. Do you know what you're saying? I didn't know that that was what I was doing. And there were things she asked me to get at the pharmacy. She got me to copy out a prescription she had. When was this? Four years ago, when we were in Martinique. It was Greg's wife. You mean Greg's first wife, Gail? Are you telling me that Lucky poisoned her? Yes. And I helped her. When I realized what I'd... When you realized what had happened, Lucky pointed out to you that you had written the prescription, that you had got the drugs, that you and she were in it together. Is that right? Yes. She said she'd done it out of pity. That Gail was suffering, that she'd begged Lucky to get something that would end it all. And you believed her? No, I didn't really. I accepted it because I wanted to believe it. Because you were infatuated with her. Did you still believe it when she married Greg? Oh, I suppose so. And how much did Greg know about it? Nothing at all. I find that hard to believe. You don't think they both used you so that no one would suspect them? I don't know. It never occurred to me. I only know I've got to get free of Lucky. She makes me feel like I'm tied to her. By the thing we did together. That's why we've got to chuck all this and go back to England. Yes, Edward, we will. But not now. Not straight away. Why not? We must carry on as usual, just for the present. Do you understand? Don't let Lucky have an inkling of what we're up to. night I thought that the steel band was never going to stop. They played on into the night long after I'd gone back to my bungalow. But at long last the sound drifted away as if they'd lost interest and I saw from my window the lights going out on the terrace tables. Tim, could I speak to you for a moment? Of course, Evelyn. Is there something the matter? You must forgive me, but I'm rather concerned about Molly. What about her? I don't think she's awfully well. She seems upset. 
Things do seem to upset her rather easily at the moment. She talked to me early this evening. I gather she's had blackouts and is frightened of people, almost like persecution mania. Persecution mania? Just because she's a bit het up and nervy? I hate suggesting it, but don't you perhaps think she ought to see a psychiatrist? No, I don't. I won't have people like that monkeying around with her. If her mother had left psychiatrists... At... You mean there was trouble of that kind in her family? I mean, a history of instability? I don't want to talk about it. They were rather an odd bunch. I took her away from it all and she was fine. She's just got into a nervous state out here. I believe it was old Palgrave dying that triggered it all off. Well, I hope you know what you're doing, Tim, but if I could help in any way... It's very good of you, Evelyn. But Molly's all right. She's getting over it. Ah! What on earth's that? Molly? Molly, what's the matter? I found her. She's down there in the bushes. Down there! Uh, look after her, will you, Evelyn? I'll see what it is. Come and sit down here, Molly. <laughs> Can I get you something, something to drink? She's down there in the bushes. Look at my hands, look at my hands! Oh, they're covered in blood. Molly, what's happened? I don't know. I don't know what happened, I can't remember it. What's the matter with me? Oh, it's all right, Molly, it's all right. Tim, what is it? What did Molly see? It's one of our girls, Victoria. Somebody's put a knife into her. It was early in the morning before Mr. Daventry arrived from Jamestown. With him was Inspector Weston of the St. Honoré Police Force. Poor Molly Kendall was in no condition to tell them anything, and she was put to bed with a heavy sedative. The first person they decided to question was the dead girl's boyfriend, Jim Ellis. She said it was money. Big money. And that's all I know about it. I don't know anything more at all, I swear to God. All right, Ellis, that'll do for the present. Thank you, Inspector. Yes, you can go. Thank you, sir. That's not all he knows, of course, but that's all we shall learn from him. You think he's in the clear himself? Oh, yes. They seem to be on good terms together. Was he in it with her, whatever it was? Probably not. And I'd say that what she knew wasn't very much. But enough for blackmail. I don't know if I'd even call it that. Payment for being discreet isn't quite the same thing. You see, some of the people who stay here are the rich playboy lot, and the morals don't bear much investigating. Oh, you mean a woman who doesn't want it known that she's sleeping around, so she gives a present to the girl who looks after the room? Exactly. But it wasn't anything of that kind, surely? Not as far as I can tell. This girl saw something, presumably, to do with a bottle of pills that Ellis mentioned. It belonged to Mr Dyson, I believe. We'd better see him next. She was a nice girl, Victoria. We both liked her. I suppose it was some quarrel or other with a man, but I never noticed any sign of trouble. I believe uh, you take a preparation, Mr. Dyson, called uh, serenite? Quite right. Little pink tablets suffer a bit from high blood pressure, like so many people do nowadays. Very few people seem to be aware of that fact. Well, I don't go talking about it. I've always been well and hardy, and I never like people who go on about their ailments all the time. And you missed a bottle of pills a short time ago, I hear. Yes, that is correct. And you asked this girl, Victoria Johnson, whether she'd seen it? Yes, I did, and sometime later she brought the bottle to me. She asked me whether it was the one that was missing. And was it? Yes, it was, as a matter of fact. I asked her where she had found it, and she said it was in Major Palgrave's room. I said, how on earth did it get there? And what was her answer to that? She said she didn't know, but... Yes, Mr. Dyson? Well, she gave me the feeling that she did know a little more than she was saying. 
But I didn't pay too much attention. After all, it wasn't very important. I've got other bottles of pills with me. And that's uh, all you know about it, Mr. Dyson? That's all I know. Oh, sorry to be so unhelpful. I didn't think you'd be interested in the pills. I thought you'd want to know what my movements were when this wretched girl was stabbed. I've written them down as carefully as I can. Oh, that was very helpful of you. Uh, here you are. Save everybody trouble, I thought. Huh. So, uh, you and your wife were changing for dinner in your bungalow until ten to nine. You went for a drink on the terrace and were joined shortly afterwards by Colonel and Mrs. Hillingdon, and you all went to dine at 9.15, and you went to bed at about half-past 11. Of course, I don't know what time the girl was actually killed. Uh, Mrs. Kendall found her, I understand. Must have been a very nasty shock for her. Had the girl been dead long when Mrs. Kendall found her, I mean? We're not quite certain of that yet. Matter of fact, I didn't notice Mrs. Kendall about last night. When was the last time you saw her? Oh, quite early on. She was playing about with the table decorations, rearranging the knives. I see. Well, thank you, Mr. Dyson. Oh, thank you, Inspector. Oh, I'm sorry I couldn't be of more help. Very thoughtful of him to be so anxious to want us to know exactly where he was last night. A little over-anxious, do you think? Oh, difficult to tell. There are people who are naturally nervous about their own safety, about being mixed up with anything. It doesn't necessarily mean they've got something guilty to hide. Uh, nobody's got much of an alibi, really, what with the band and the dancing and the coming and going. Well, anyone could have slipped away. What was that Dyson said about Mrs Kendall rearranging the knives on the tables? Do you think he dragged it in on purpose? Did it sound like that to you? I think it's possible. Are you the policeman? Are you the police? I am Inspector Weston, yes. I've got something to tell you about the murder. And who are you, Mr... Uh... Enrico. I am one of the cooks here. And I tell you this. She came through my kitchen, she did, and she had a knife with her. She had a knife in her hand. She came through the kitchen and out into the garden. I saw her. Now, and... calm down, will you? Who are you talking about? I am talking about the boss's wife, Mrs. Kendall. I am talking about her. She had a knife in her hand and she went out into the dark. Before dinner, that was. And she didn't come back. There seems to be a curse on this place, Inspector. People are wanting to leave, you know. If only it could be cleared up quickly so they don't get any more alarm than they are. But you wanted to ask me something. Uh, yes, uh, it was about last night. According to the medical evidence, Victoria Johnson was killed sometime between 10.30pm and midnight. Uh -huh. Alibis under the circumstances that prevailed here last night are not exactly easy to verify. It's all very difficult. What I want to ask you particularly about is something that one of your cooks told us. Oh, which one? What does he say? He's Cuban, I think. Uh, name's Enrico. This uh, Enrico states that your wife passed through the kitchen on the way from the dining room and went out into the garden and that she was carrying a knife. M Molly carrying a knife? Well, why shouldn't she? She'd probably been rearranging the place settings. When was this? This would have been before people had come into the dining room. Did you see her at that time? Yes. She came into the bar. I asked her who she'd been talking to. I heard her voice. And who did she say it was? Gregory Dyson. Ah, yes, that's what he said. He'd been making a pass at her, I understand. He's a bit given to that sort of thing. And you can't say definitely whether she had a knife in her hand or not? 
I can't remember. I, I'm almost sure she didn't. What you said just now. Uh... Look here, what I meant was that if she was in the dining room or kitchen, it's quite likely she might have picked up a knife or had one in her hand. Matter of fact, I can remember quite well. She came in from the dining room and she had nothing in her hand. Nothing at all. I see. Did you have any further conversation with your wife during dinner or after? No. Uh, I don't think I did, really. I was rather busy. We don't always notice what the other one's doing, and we certainly haven't got time to talk to one another. So you don't actually remember speaking to her until she came up the steps three hours later after finding the body? It was an awful shock for her. It upset her terribly. How did she come to be walking on the path to the beach? After the stress of dinner being served, she often goes for a stroll to get away from the guests for a minute or two, get a breather. When she came back, I understand you were talking to Mrs Hillingdon? Yes. Uh, practically everyone else had gone to bed. What was the subject of your conversation with her? Oh, nothing in particular. Molly and the running of the hotel, that sort of thing. And then your wife came up the steps of the terrace and told you what had happened? Yes. There was blood in her hands? Of course there was. She tried to lift the girl. She couldn't understand what had happened. What the hell are you suggesting? Please, please, calm down, Tim. It's all a great strain on you, I know, but we have to get the facts clear. I understand Molly hasn't been feeling very well lately. She's all right. Major Palgrave's death upset her a bit. She's a very sensitive girl. We shall have to ask her a few questions as soon as she's fit enough. Well, you can't now. The doctor gave her a sedative and said she wasn't to be disturbed. I won't have her upset. We won't disturb her at present, Mr Kendall. But as soon as the doctor allows us, we'll have to see her. We have to find out what happened. Yes, Inspector. I was on the terrace talking to Mr Kendall, and then his wife came up the steps from the path. She just found the poor girl's body. Your husband wasn't there, Mrs Hillingdon? No, he'd gone to bed. Had you any particular reason for talking to Mr. Kendall at that time? What a very odd question, Mr. Daventry. No, there wasn't any special reason. Did you discuss his wife's health at all? I really can't remember. Are you sure of that? Sure that I can't remember? What a curious way of putting it. <laughs> One talks about so many things at different times. We know that Mrs. Kendall has not been in good health lately. Or a little tired, perhaps. Running a place like this means a lot of worries, and she is quite inexperienced. Naturally, she gets flustered now and then. Flustered? It's a good old-fashioned word, but just as good as anxiety neurosis, or whatever the jargon is for it nowadays. Thank you, Mrs Hillingdon. That's quite all right, Inspector. Thank you both. I'm really quite myself again now. It was just the shock. It was rather awful, you know. I'm sure it was. What time did you go for your walk, Mrs Kendall? Well, I don't really know, Inspector. We don't much go by time. The steel band was still playing? Yes, it was. At least I think so. I can't really remember. And you walked which way? Along the beach path. Uh, to the left or the right? Oh, um, first one way and then the other. I, I didn't really notice. Uh, why didn't you notice, Mrs Kendall? I suppose I was thinking of things. Thinking of anything in particular? No, nothing in particular. Just things that had to be done in the hotel. And then I noticed something white. A white dress in the hibiscus bushes. It was Victoria, all huddled up. I tried to raise her head up and... and my hands were covered with blood. It must have been a 
dreadful experience, Molly. Did you take a knife with you on your walk? Why on earth should I do that? One of the kitchen staff mentioned that you had a knife in your hand when you went out of the kitchens into the garden. But I didn't go out of the kitchen. Oh, you mean earlier, before dinner? You'd been rearranging the cutlery on the tables, perhaps? Well, I have to. Sometimes they lay things wrong. So you may have gone out of the kitchen that evening carrying a knife in your hand. Well, I don't think I did. I I'm sure I didn't. Tim was there. Ask him. Did you like Victoria Johnson? Was she good at her work? Yes. She was a very nice girl. She never threatened you in any way? Threatened me? What do you mean? It doesn't matter. You have no idea who could have killed her. No idea at all. None. Well, thank you, Mrs. Kendall. That wasn't so terrible, was it? Well, that's all. That's all for now. We'll uh, leave you in peace. Thank you. See you soon, Molly. I really can't bring myself to believe that that girl is a red-handed murderess, Weston. I think it's fairly unlikely. All the same, I'm pretty sure she isn't telling all she knows. She's very vague about it all. What was she doing out there? Hmm. Perhaps she went to meet someone. Could it have been Victoria? Or perhaps she saw who did go to meet Victoria. Gregory Dyson, perhaps. We know he was talking to her earlier. No one would have noticed if he was away for a little while. Not with the dancing and people going over to the bar to have a drink. No alibi like a steel band. Something had to be done, and done as quickly as possible. I knew that given the time I could find out the truth, but time was what I did not have. And who was there to help me? I had none of my usual allies. My friends at Scotland Yard were far away, and I was alone on a tropical paradise, wondering how long it would be before the murderer would strike again. Who on earth could I find to listen to me? Two murders had been committed within a few days. At least I was fairly certain that the death of Major Palgrave had been a murder, and there was no doubt that Victoria Johnson had been stabbed to death. I was beginning to have a notion as to what it was all about, but who could I turn to for help? In England there was always Sir Henry Clinton or his nephew at Scotland Yard, but who would pay any attention to me on a remote island in the West Indies? Hey! Hey! Hey, you! You were calling me? Of course I was calling you! Who else could I have been calling? A cat? Come over here. Very well, Mr. Raphael. I can't come to you unless someone helps me. So you've got to come to me. Oh, yes. I fully understand that. Sit down next to me. Right. I want to talk to you. Something damned odd is going on on this island. Yes, indeed. I entirely agree with you. For goodness sake, don't start knitting. I can't stand it. Very well, Mr. Raphael. There's a lot of chit-chat going on, and I bet you're in the forefront of it. You and the parson and his sister. It is perhaps only natural under the circumstances. This island girl gets herself knifed, and Mrs. Kendall finds her in the bushes. Might be nothing out of the ordinary, huh? The chap she was living with might have got jealous of another man. Or he got himself another girl, and they've had a row. Sex in the tropics and that sort of stuff. What do you think? No, definitely not. The authorities don't think so either. They would say more to you than they would say to me. All the same, 
I bet you know more about it than I do. You've listened to all the tittle-tattle. Certainly I have. You know, I made a mistake about you. I don't often make mistakes about people. But there's a lot more to you than I thought there was. <laughs> I mean, all these rumours about Major Palgrave and the stories he told. You think he was bumped off, don't you? I very much fear so. Well, he was. That is definite, is it? Yes, it's definite enough. I had it from Daventry. After you told Graham you thought it might be murder, he went over to Jamestown. The CID were called in, and they decided to dig up old Palgrave and have a look. And what did they find? That he'd had a lethal dose of something that only a doctor could pronounce properly. Apparently, the signs would be much the same as those of high blood pressure aggravated by overindulgence in alcohol. In fact, it all looked perfectly natural at first, and nobody questioned it. I knew all along he didn't suffer from high blood pressure. But I thought he'd told people that he did. Uh, who did he tell? It's like seeing ghosts. You never meet the chap who actually saw the ghost himself. They thought he had blood pressure because of the tablets found in his room, but... And now we're coming to the point. I gather that the girl who was killed said that the bottle had been put there by somebody else and that it really belonged to Greg Dyson. And the story was put about very cleverly that the Major had frequently mentioned to people that he had high blood pressure. But, you know, it's very easy to put about a story. I've seen a lot of it in my time. Oh, I bet you have, yes. <laughs> so, the girl saw something, tried a hand at blackmail, and got a knife in her back. Yes. Evidently, someone couldn't afford to let her talk. Now... I gather Palgrave spent a lot of his time talking to you, but nobody else would be bothered with him. What did he say? He told me he had a snapshot of a murderer. He was going to show it to me, but he didn't. Why not? Because he saw someone. His face got very red, and he put the snapshot back into his wallet and began talking about something else. Who did he say? I thought about that a good deal. I was sitting outside my bungalow, and he was sitting nearly opposite me, so that whoever he saw... He saw over my right shoulder. Coming along the path from the creek? Yes. And was there anyone? Mr and Mrs Dyson, Colonel and Mrs Hillingdon. Anybody else? I don't think so. Of course, your bungalow would also be in his line of vision. So, there's a possibility that it could have been Esther Walters or my chap Jackson. Either of them might have been outside the bungalow at that moment. So, that gives us the Dysons, the Hillingdons, Esther and Jackson. Or, of course, myself. And did he say whether this murderer was a man or a woman? A man? Right. We can eliminate Evelyn Hillingdon, Lucky Dyson and Esther. I'll tell you the first thing that strikes me and that you don't seem to have thought of. Oh? If it's Dyson, Hillingdon or Jackson, why didn't old Palgrave recognise him before? Hmm? They've all been sitting around looking at each other for the last two weeks. It doesn't make sense. I think it could. How? According to Major Paul Graves' story, he hadn't actually seen the man himself. It was a story told to him by a doctor, and the doctor gave him the snapshot as a curiosity. The Major may have looked at it at the time, but after that he kept it in his wallet. Occasionally, perhaps, he'd take it out and show it to someone he was telling the story to. But I don't think he would necessarily recognise the man... What I think must have happened was that as he was telling me the story, he took the snapshot out, looked down at it, studying the face, and then looked up 
to see the same face coming towards him from a distance of about 10 or 12 feet. It sounds plausible, but there's something wrong. The motive's totally inadequate. Here's an old booby telling a story about another story somebody told him, all of it concerning a murder which had taken place years ago. I mean, how on earth can that concern the man in question? Yes. Nobody's going to take Palgrave's identification from a blurred old photograph very seriously. It's the kind of identification the chap could just laugh off. There's no need to murder Palgrave. I mean, you must see that. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. That's what makes me so uneasy. That's why I could not sleep. Let's see what's on your mind. I may be entirely wrong, but there could be a very powerful motive if the man was going to commit another murder. I don't get you. The story that Major Palgrave told me was about a man whose wife had died under suspicious circumstances. Then, after a certain lapse of time, there was another murder under exactly the same circumstances. Well, it does look, doesn't it, as though the murderer might be the kind of man who made a habit of the thing. Oh, you mean like the bridge in the bath? So, you see, if this person had got things all lined up for a murder out here, for getting rid of another wife, and if this crime were number three or four, the Major's story would matter, because the murderer couldn't afford to have any similarity pointed out, so he would have to act as quickly as possible. The very same night, in fact. So now this man will go on with his murder as planned, and we have got to stop it. You have got to stop it, Mr. Raphael. Me? Why me? Because you are rich and important. People will take notice of you. They wouldn't listen to me for a moment. All right. Let's think this out. Which of them is it? The egregious Greg, the quiet Edward Hillingdon, or my man Jackson? Any preference? I really haven't. All of them seem so very unlikely. We'll take Greg Dyson first. Let's say he's going to put his dear wife Lucky out of the way. Good job too, I'd say. But I can't see his motive. From all accounts, he's rich. He qualifies as our murderer on the death of his first wife. But why should he want to bump off Lucky? Unless, of course, he wants to marry somebody else. Any gossip about that? Not that I have heard. He has a very gallant manner with all the ladies. You mean he's a stoat? Well... OK, he makes passes, but uh, that's not enough. Now, let's go on to Hillingdon. I've an idea there's something a bit odd going on between him and his wife. You noticed it at all? Oh, yes, I have. Their behaviour is perfect in public, of course, but that one would expect. Well, you probably know more about these sort of people than I would. Very well, then. Everything is in perfectly good taste, but it's a probability that in a gentlemanly way, Edward Hellingdon is contemplating doing away with his wife. If so, it could only be because of another woman. And I can't help feeling it's really not quite as simple as that. Which leaves us with that valet of mine, Jackson. He reminds me of a young man in the town clerk's office near where I live, Jonas Parry. And what about him? He was not very satisfactory. And Jackson's not wholly satisfactory either, but it suits me all right. He's first class at his job and he doesn't mind being sworn at. I wouldn't employ him in a position of trust, but I don't have to trust him. Fortunately, I'm not a man who has any guilty secrets. So I'm not a subject for blackmail. But surely you have business secrets. Not where Jackson can get at them. Oh, Jackson's a smooth article. But I really don't see him as a murderer. You know, the emphasis on this business is all wrong. I'm the one who wants to be murdered. Mm. 
It depends who has reason to benefit by your death. Jackson, for instance. He wouldn't get a penny. And Esther Walters? I'm leaving her nothing either. Every year I live, she gets a bigger salary. My death would mean a serious financial loss to her. Oh, shh. She's coming now. Mm, she's quite a good-looking girl, you know, but not an atom of glamour. She ought to get married again. Of course she ought. Good morning, my dear. Good morning, Miss Marple. So where the hell have you been? Oh, everyone seems to be sending cables this morning. What with that and people trying to check out? Well, as a result of all this murder business? I suppose so. Poor Tim is worried to death. Well, we've been discussing the murders together. Uh, grab a chair. I'll bring it here. Maybe you can help. We started with Oak Palgrave and his eternal stories. Oh, dear, I'm afraid I used to escape from him whenever I got the chance. Well, Miss Marple was more patient. Esther, did he ever tell you a story about a murderer? I think he did. Or he may have said, I can point you out a murderer. Well, which was it? I'm not sure. I think he said he'd show me a picture of someone. That's better. Did he actually show you a snapshot? No, I'm quite sure of that. He did say she was quite a good-looking woman, and you'd never think she was a murderer to look at her. She? He was talking about a woman? Yes. The snapshot was a picture of a woman? Yes. It can't have been. But it was. He said, she's here on this island, I'll point her out to you, and then I'll tell you the whole story. Who do you think it was? Well, I didn't really... Well, I mean, I wouldn't like to Yeah, You told me that he spun you a yarn about these murders and that the killer was a man. And that he had a picture of him that he was about to show you. I thought so, yes. You thought so? You were sure enough to begin with. It is not easy to repeat a conversation and be entirely accurate as to what the other party to it has said. Major Palgrave told me this story and said that the man who had told it to him, this doctor, had shown him the snapshot of the murderer. But if I am to be absolutely honest, what he actually said to me was... Like to see the snapshot of a murderer? And naturally, I assumed it was the same snapshot he was talking about. But I have to admit, it is possible that by an association of ideas, he went from a photograph he had been shown in the past to a snapshot he had recently taken of someone he was convinced was a murderer. Women, you're all the same. You can't be accurate. You're never exactly sure of what the thing was. So where does that leave us now? Evelyn Hillington or Greg's wife, Lucky. I mean, the whole thing's a mess. I have to admit that Mr Raphael had rather shaken me. Oh, not by his rudeness, of course. I could easily put up with that. But had I been wrong all along about Major Palgrave? Was it really a snapshot of a woman he had intended to show me? I thought I had better have a word with Miss Prescott. For a moment or two, we really thought of leaving here, but then we decided against it. It would not really be fair on the Kendalls. After all, it's not their fault. I feel particularly sorry for Mrs Kendall. A very sweet girl, but not looking at all well lately. Very nervy. Of course, her family is rather odd. Oh. Well, they live in our part of the world. There was a great aunt who was most peculiar, and one of her uncles took off all his clothes in a tube station. Green Park, I believe it was. Oh, very sad. Of course, Molly's immediate family are all right. She never got on very well with her mother, though. 
She took up with some man, quite unsuitable, I believe. It so often happens. There was terrible trouble about it all, and it all ended up with them forbidding her to see him. Oh, but you can't do that nowadays. Girls have jobs, and they meet people whether anyone forbids them to or not. And then, very fortunately, she met Tim Kendall, and the other man faded out of the picture. I can't tell you how relieved the family was. Of course, you know so much about this place. You've been here several years running, have you not? Well, last year and two years before that. We like St. Honorary very much. Always such nice people here. So I suppose you know the Hillingdons and the Dysons well? Reasonably well. Major Paul Grave told me such an interesting story. He had a great repertoire of stories, haven't he? Of course, he had travelled very widely. Oh, yes, indeed. But I didn't mean one of those stories. This was concerned with one of the people I just mentioned. He appeared to be hinting... I know what you mean. There was a great deal of talk at the time the first Mrs. Dyson died. Yes, you did mention there'd been a certain amount of gossip. Well, you see, Mrs. Dyson's death was so unexpected. Oh? And lucky, Miss Greatrex, I think her name was then, was a kind of cousin and she looked after her. Gave her all her medicines and things like that. And, of course, there had, as I believe I told you, been goings-on between Mr. Dyson and Miss Greatrex. Yes. Then there was some curious story about some stuff Edward Hillingdon got her from the chemist. Oh, Colonel Hillingdon came into it, too. Oh, yes. He was very much attracted. And lucky, Miss Greatrex played them off against one another, Gregory Dyson and Edward Hillingdon. One has to face it, she has always been an attractive woman. Though not as young as she was. But I don't quite see why Colonel Hillingdon Well, I suppose he was just being used as a cat's paw. Anyway, Gregory Dyson married Lucky in an almost indecently short time. But there was no real suspicion. Oh, no, just gossip. Of course, there may have been nothing in it at all. Major Palgrave thought there was. Did he say so to you? Well, I was not really listening very closely. Did he mention anything to you? He did point her out to me one day. Lucky. He actually pointed her out? Yes. As a matter of fact, I thought at first it was Mrs. Hillingdon he meant. He, he wheezed and chuckled a bit and said, Look at that woman over there. In my opinion, that's a woman who's done murder and got away with it. I was very shocked, of course. The Dysons and the Hillingdons were sitting at a table quite near to us, and I was afraid they'd overhear. He, he chuckled again and said, Wouldn't care to go to a drinks party and have a certain person mix me a cocktail. Too much like supper with the Borgias. How very interesting. He was a very indiscreet man. And rather wicked, I think. The native children were rather frightened of him. He said he had the evil eye. The evil eye? He had a glass eye, certainly. An accident, I believe, when he was quite young. Did he by any chance mention a photograph? They don't remember whether he actually... Good morning, Mrs. Hillingdon. Good morning, Miss Prescott. Good morning, Miss Marple. Good morning. I was wondering where you'd got to today. I've been to Jamestown shopping. All in your own? Oh, I didn't take Edward with me. Men hate shopping. And did you find anything nice? It wasn't that sort of shopping. I had to go to the pharmacy. See you later, no doubt. Such a nice person, Mrs. Hillingdon. She's not really very easy to know, is she? I mean, she's always very pleasant and all that, but one never seems to get to know her any better. One never knows what she's thinking. Perhaps that is just as well. I beg your pardon? 
Oh, nothing really. Only I've always had the feeling that her thoughts might be rather disconcerting. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, and now, if you will excuse me, I think I had better find out where that brother of mine has got to. Of course. For a while, I sat in my chair on the beach. Lucky Dyson was lying on her face, with her blonde hair splayed over her suntanned shoulders, and Evelyn Hillingdon was looking at her with an expression which made me shiver. Despite the heat of the sun, I felt suddenly cold. What was the old phrase? A goose walking over your grave? I went back to my bungalow to lie down, but I could not rest. I knew that there was no time to be lost and something must be done. But what? Jackson, peering in through my window, what impertinence. Just like Jonas Perry. But why? What is he after? I got up and peered cautiously through the window. Jackson was standing by the door of Mr. Raphael's bungalow. Then, with a quick furtive glance, he slipped quickly inside. Why all this secrecy? What could he be after? I put on a pair of old plimsolls and very quietly crept round Mr. Raphael's bungalow until I was under the window. And then I very slowly raised my head. Just like Jonas Perry. Well, what is it now? Did you know Jackson snoops? Doesn't surprise me. Caught him at it, did you? I just happened to see him through a window. He had one of your suitcases open and was looking through your papers. Must have managed to get hold of a key to it. Resourceful fellow. He'll be disappointed, though. Nothing that comes upon him that way will do him a mite of good. He's coming over here now. Uh, must be time for that idiotic seedip of mine. As for you... Don't be too enterprising. We don't want to be attending your funeral next. Remember your age and be careful. There's somebody about who isn't too scrupulous. Evelyn? Evelyn? What is it? Tim? What on earth's the matter? It's the middle of the night. What is it? It's Molly. She's been taken ill. I don't know what's the matter with her. I think she must have taken something. Could you come? Well, of course I will. You go back to Molly. I'll be with you in a moment. Have you any idea what it is she's taken? Her sleeping pills, I think. When I last saw the bottle, it was half full. I think she must have taken all of them. Go and get Dr. Graham. Oh, and while you're at it, ask one of the girls to make strong coffee, as strong as possible. I'll do that. Sorry, Abbott. What's happening, Evelyn? I heard you go out. Is it serious? I thought you were still asleep. The silly child has been taking things. How bad is it? One can't tell without knowing how much she's taken. Tim thinks about half a bottle of sleeping pills. But why should she do such a thing? You, you don't think... What don't I think? Well, you don't think it's because of the inquiry, the police asking questions? It's possible, of course. That sort of thing could be very alarming to a nervous type. Oh... I only wish there was something we could do for her. Well, better wait till Dr. Graham gets here. He hasn't far to come. Just as well we got to her in good time. Anyway, she probably didn't have enough to kill her. A couple of days and she'll be as right as rain. But she'll have rather a nasty time first. 
Who gave her these damn sleeping pills anyway? A doctor in New York. She wasn't sleeping well. We all hand these things out much too freely these days. Instant remedies. That's what people demand now. Nobody tells young women who think they've got insomnia to get up and eat a biscuit or write a couple of letters and go back to bed. I bet if you ask Miss Marple what she does if she can't sleep, she'd tell you she counted sheep going under a gate. So, you've opened your eyes at last. What have you been doing to yourself, Molly? Why did you do it, Molly? Why is Evelyn here? Tim came and fetched me. You're going to be all right now, Molly. But don't do it again. I'm sure she didn't mean to. She just wanted a good night's sleep. Isn't that so, Molly? No. You mean you took them on purpose? Yes. Why? Why, Molly? Afraid. Afraid? Afraid of what? Better let her be. Is it the police? Because they've been bullying you, asking you questions. I want to go to sleep. By far the best thing for you. Come on, Mrs. Ellingdon. We'll leave her in peace. I don't mind staying if it'll be of any help. No. Just Tim. I'm here, Molly. I'll look after you. You're sure there isn't anything else I can do? I don't think so. She'll be better left alone with her husband now. But possibly tomorrow, when he's got the hotel to run, I think someone should be with her then. Do you think she might try again? One never knows in these cases. Actually, I would think it's most unlikely. I always thought she seemed such a happy girl. And then... It was the night that Victoria was killed. I ran into Molly down by the beach. She was crying quite hysterically. She told me she was frightened of people watching her, of voices and footsteps. And then she said that she'd been having blackouts. Times she couldn't account for. And she'd suddenly find herself in a different place, wearing different clothes, with no idea how she'd come to be there. Thank you for telling me that, Mrs. Hillington. They are very definite indications of some kind of deep-seated trouble. I'll have a word with her husband in the morning. I just can't think of anything or anyone that she could be frightened of. The police upset her a bit, but... It may very well go much further than that. There wasn't anything that happened in England before you were married. Nothing that I know of. She didn't get on with her family very well. Her mother was a bit of an eccentric. Uh, was there any sign of mental instability in her family? It would be better to tell me, Tim, if that is the case. Well, yes, there was, I think. Nothing serious, but there was an aunt or someone that was a bit batty. But you get that kind of thing in almost every family. Yeah, quite so. And you're sure... There was no one else before you came along who might have threatened her or given her genuine cause to be afraid. Molly was involved with another man before she met me. Her parents were very much against it. I think she stuck to the chap more out of defiance than anything else. And then, when I came along, suddenly he wasn't so important anymore. And this man didn't make threats of any kind against Molly? No, I'm sure he didn't. She would have told me. Now... There's another thing. Apparently your wife's been having what she describes as blackouts. Passages of time when she can't account for her actions. Did you know about that? No. No, I didn't. Well, I can only advise you most strongly to take her to see a good specialist. 
You mean a mental specialist, I suppose? A neurologist, a psychiatrist, someone who specialises in what the layman calls nervous breakdowns. Get advice about her, Tim, and get it as soon as you possibly can. Of course, we all got to hear about it soon enough. And I couldn't help wondering whether there was some link between the strange terrors that had driven Molly to attempt her own life and the deaths of Major Palgrave and the girl Victoria. Was Molly somehow involved, perhaps unwittingly, in what had happened? Was she perhaps the key to the whole mystery? Now on 4 Extra, there's a Caribbean mystery to be solved and Miss Marple is piecing together the clues. After the murders of Major Paul Grave and Victoria Johnson, many of the guests at the Golden Palm Hotel were trying to book flights out of Saint-Honoré. Poor Molly Kendall, haunted by imagined terrors, tried to take her own life with sleeping pills. She was slowly recovering, but I couldn't help wondering whether her attempted suicide was somehow linked to the other deaths. And was Major Palgrave's picture of a murderer a photograph of a man or a woman? You're sure you don't mind sitting with Molly for a couple of hours, Miss Marple? She's still a bit groggy, and Dr. Graham thinks that she shouldn't be left alone for long. I am only too pleased to be able to help, Mrs. Hillingdon. At my age, you know, one feels very useless in the world. I'd be very happy to sit with Molly. You go off on your expedition with the others. Uh, is anyone with her at the moment? Tim is, but he's got things to do at the hotel. Even so, he won't leave her by herself. Oh, he's quite right. I wouldn't in his place. One never knows, does one? When somebody has attempted something of that kind... <laughs> but you go along, my dear. If only you could tell me why you did it, Molly. There must be some reason. Was it something to do with me? No, it was nothing to do with you, Tim. I don't know why I did it. I only wish I did. Mr. Kendall? Oh, do come in, Miss Marple. It's very good of you. Not at all. I am only too happy to have the opportunity to be able to help. I'm glad to see you're looking so much better, Molly. Yes, I'm all right now. Just a little bit sleepy, that's all. Oh, don't worry. I shan't talk. You just lie quietly. I'll sit down here and get on with my knitting. I'll leave you then. Thank you again, Miss Marple. If you don't mind, Miss Marple, I think I'll go back to sleep now. She closed her eyes and her breathing grew more regular. After a while, I went over to tuck in her sheet. And as I did so, I felt something under the mattress. It was a book. A book on nervous diseases. And it fell open on a description of the onset of persecution mania. I put it back where I'd found it. As I turned away, I caught sight of Molly out of the corner of my eye, and I had the distinct impression that her eyes were open. But when I looked at her again, she seemed to be sleeping. And then I heard the faint sound of shoes on the loggia outside. I thought I'd better investigate. I'm just going back to my bungalow for a moment, Molly, my dear. I don't seem to have the right knitting pattern. You will be all right till I come back, won't you? 
but she was sound asleep, or was pretending to be. I went along the loggia, and then slipped into a small room at the back, which Tim used as his office. From there, I had a good view of anyone who approached Molly's bedroom. After a few minutes, I saw Jackson, Mr. Raphael's valet, in his neat white uniform going into the house, where he made straight for the bathroom. Uh, Miss Marple, I didn't... I was wondering where you'd got to. What are you doing in here, Mr. Jackson? Actually, I'm just looking at Mrs. Kendall's brand of face cream. Hmm, nice smell. Very good stuff as these preparations go. The cheaper brands don't suit every kind of skin. Bring it out in a rash, as likely as not. You seem to be very knowledgeable on the subject. I worked in the pharmaceutical line for a while. You still haven't told me what you're doing here. Matter of fact, Mrs. Walters lent her lipstick to Mrs. Kendall the other day. I came in to get it back for her. I see. I tapped on the window, and then I saw that Mrs. Kendall was fast asleep. So I thought it would be all right if I just walked into the bathroom and looked for it. And did you find it? No, I didn't. Probably in one of her handbags. She doesn't have very much in the makeup line, does she? Still, I suppose at her age she doesn't need it. Good natural skin. You must look at women with quite a different eye from ordinary men. Yes. I suppose various jobs do alter one's angle. Do you know a great deal about drugs? Oh, yes. Good working acquaintance with them. If you ask me, there are too many that you can get hold of too easily. Too many tranquilizers and pet pills and miracle drugs and all the rest of it. Some of them can be dangerous. Yes, I suppose they can. They can have a great effect on behaviour. Look at what they do to some of the kids who take them nowadays. Not that there's anything new about it. Take witches, for instance. Witches? Did they take drugs? After a fashion. They rubbed themselves with an ointment, you know. Anointing, they called it. Some of their preparations, belladonna, atropine, that sort of thing, if you rub them into the skin, they'll give you hallucinations of levitation, of flying through the air. People were highly credulous. Oh, you'd be amazed at some of the things they got up to. In India, for example, in the bad old days, a young woman who was married to an old husband and didn't care for him much could keep him under drugs, make him imbecile, give him hallucinations, drive him more or less off his head. Where did you get these stories from? Was it Major Palgrave? Yes, it was, as a matter of fact. He told me a lot of tales like that. Of course, most of it must have been before his time, but he seemed to know all about it. Major Palgrave was under the impression that he knew a lot about everything. He was often inaccurate in what he told people. Major Palgrave has a lot to answer for. What was that? Someone's come into Mrs. Kendall's bedroom. Mrs. Dyson? <gasps> oh, I, I didn't know you were here, Miss Marple. I just stepped into the bathroom for a moment. I was wondering if you'd like me to sit with Molly for a bit. She's asleep, isn't she? Yes, I think so. But I'm really quite happy here. You go and amuse yourself, my dear. I thought you'd gone off with the others. I was going, but I had such a filthy headache that at the last moment I called off. So I thought I might as well make myself useful. That was very kind of you, but as you see, I am quite all right. Very well. I'll be on my way then. I walked a little way with her, partly out of curiosity to see where she would go next. But she went back to her own bungalow. When I returned to Molly's room, Jackson had gone. 
I went into the bathroom and picked up the jar of face cream he'd been looking at. I thought it might be important. The great difficulty was deciding what to do next. Someone else was going to be killed, I was sure of that, and I felt that I should know who that someone was. I knew I was being stupid. The truth was there to see. If only I could clear away the litter. Pardon for them. Oh. Oh. I didn't notice you coming, Mr. Raphael. Good evening, Mrs. Walters. Good evening. I distinctly saw your lips moving, Miss Marple. What's become of all this urgency you were going on about? is still urgent, only I just cannot see what ought to be perfectly plain. Sorry, Mr. Raphael, I was in Mr. Kendall's office. You're never about what I want you. I was having to rely on poor Esther to get myself about. Shall I take you down to the terrace, sir? You can take me to the bar. And Esther, you can go and change into your evening togs. Meet me uh, on the terrace in half an hour. Mr. Raphael may look a very lightweight. My arm feels quite numb. It's the way he holds on to you. I haven't seen you about today, Miss Marple. No, I have been sitting with Molly Kendall. She really seems much better now. If you ask me, there was never anything wrong with her. You mean that you think her suicide attempt was... I don't think there was any suicide attempt. I don't believe for a moment she took a real overdose. Now, you do interest me very much. I wonder why you say that. Because I'm almost certain that's the case. It's a way of calling attention to oneself. You'll be sorry when I'm dead. That sort of thing. <laughs> Though I don't think that was the motive in this particular instance. That's the sort of thing you feel like when your husband's playing you up and you're terribly fond of him. You don't think Molly Kendall is fond of her husband? Well, do you? I've more or less assumed it. Perhaps wrongly. I have heard a little about her, you know. About the whole business. From Miss Prescott? Oh, from one or two people. There's a man in the case. Someone she was keen on. Her people were dead against him. Yes, I did hear that. And then she married Tim. Perhaps she was fond of him in a way, but the other man didn't give up. I've even wondered once or twice if he didn't follow her out here. Really? But who? I've no idea who. And I should imagine they've been very careful. You think she cares for this other man? I dare say he's a bad lot. But that's very often the kind who knows how to get under a woman's skin and stay there. Have you seen or heard something? I makes... know what I'm talking about. These murders... Oh, can't you forget them? Can't you just let them be? You'll never find out any more. I'm sure of that. You think you know, don't you? I think I do. Yes, I'm fairly sure. Then oughtn't you to tell someone what you know? Do something about it? Why should I? What? good would it do? I couldn't prove anything. And what would happen anyway? People get let off nowadays so easily. They call it diminished responsibility and things like that. Perhaps they really can't help it. Not if they really are mentally unbalanced. Well, by far the best thing would be if she went off with whoever it is. Then we could all forget about things. But I must go and change. Sitting here all alone, Miss Marple, and not even knitting. I have been sitting around most of the day, Doctor, mostly at Molly Kendall's bedside. One can hardly believe she's made such a good recovery so quickly. Oh, it's not so surprising. She didn't take a very heavy overdose, you know. But I understood she'd taken half a bottle of tablets. No, I don't think she took anything like that amount. I dare say she meant to take them, and then probably at the last minute she threw half of them away. 
Is it possible that she just wanted to make it appear that it's she... It's possible. If she and Tim had had a row, for instance? Well, they don't have rows, you know. They seem very fond of each other. But it's getting late. I must go and change for dinner. I fell asleep that night, still worrying whether, after all, Esther Walters might possibly be right. And in my dreams, I kept on seeing the Major holding up his snapshot. And what was it about the Major I had to remember? Then suddenly I was awake. What is it? What's happening? Huh. Oh, something's wrong. What time is it? Oh, two o'clock. I must find out what's going on. I can't see her. Canon Prescott, what is happening? It's Mrs. Kendall. Her husband woke up and found that her bed was empty. We're trying to find her. Here. Which direction? Over here. Oh, that's Mrs. Hillingdon. She must be down by the creek. Let me through, please. Molly! Oh, my God! Molly! She was lying in the creek, her face below the level of the water, her golden hair spread over the pale green embroidered shawl that covered her shoulders. I must save... Sister. Don't move her, Mr. Kendall. She must not be moved. Oh, but I must! It's Molly! She might... She's dead, Tim. I didn't move her, but I did feel her pulse. You mean that she's drowned herself? I'm afraid it rather looks like it. Why? She was so happy this morning. Why should this terrible death wish come over her again? Why couldn't she tell me anything? I don't know, my dear. Somebody had better get Dr. Graham. And the police need to be told. The police? What good will they be? The police have to be notified in a case of suicide. I'll get Graham. But perhaps even now he might be able to do something. It's too late. She's quite cold. She must have been dead at least an hour, perhaps more. I don't understand it. Those two seem so happy. I suppose she was always unbalanced. No, I don't think she was in the least unbalanced. What do you mean? And then suddenly the moon came out from behind a cloud and shone brightly on the dead girl's hair. What is it, Miss Marple? I think that we had better make sure. But you told Tim we mustn't touch anything. I know. But don't you see? Molly's hair wasn't dark at the roots. Lucky. But she's wearing Molly's shawl. She admired it. I heard her say she was going to get one like it. So that's why we thought it was... Someone will have to tell Mr. Dyson. All right. I'll do it. Yes, Colonel Hillingdon. You knew I was there? You cast a shadow in the moonlight. So, in the end, she played her luck too far. Are you glad that she's dead? Would that shock you? Yes, I'm glad. Death is often a convenient solution to problems. What exactly do you mean by that? If, if you I think... I mean no more than I have said. Your wife will be back here with Mr. Dyson in a moment. Will you wait? I must go back to my bungalow. Very well, Miss Marple. I will stay here. Just as I've reached my bungalow, something made me stop for a moment. 
It was here that I had sat with Major Palgrave when he was about to show me the photograph. The evil eye. They said he had the evil eye, but of course his eye was... That is what I was trying to remember. a little more strongly than that. The Greeks had a word for it. Nemesis, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Nemesis. Uh, the goddess of retribution. So that's who you are, is it? I hope to be with your help. Look, do, you, do you mind telling me what the hell you think you're doing? Another body has been found. Mm. We thought at first it was Molly Kendall, but it wasn't. It was Lucky Dyson, drowned in the creek. Did she drown herself or did somebody drown her? Somebody drowned her. Do you mean Greg Dyson? Mr. Raphael, will you trust me? We have got to stop another murder being committed. I thought you said it had been committed. That murder was committed in error. The murderer may strike again at any moment now. We must go at once. But we? What can we do about it? You're about a hundred, and I can't even walk without help. I was thinking of Jackson. He will do what you tell him, won't he? Well, if I tell him that I'll, I'll make it worth his while... Then I... tell him to come with me and to obey any orders I give him. Very well. Jackson! Oh, I expect I'm taking the biggest risk of my life, but oh, what the hell? You called and rang, sir. Is there anything wrong? Miss Marple? Uh, Jackson, I want you to go with Miss Marple. You'll go where she takes you, and you'll do exactly as she says. You'll obey every order she gives you. Is that understood? Yes, sir. Uh, you won't be the loser. I'll make it worth your while. Thank you, sir. Come along, Mr. Jackson. We'll tell Mrs. Walters to come to you, Mr. Raphael. Get her to help you out of bed and bring you along straight away. Hmm? Bring me along where? To the Kendall's bungalow. I think Molly will be coming back there. Molly, where on earth have you been? I've been searching everywhere for you. I went to the creek, but I couldn't stay there. There was someone in the water, and she was dead. I know. I thought it was you. I've only just found out that it was lucky. I didn't kill her. I'm sure I didn't. Oh. I'd remember if I had, wouldn't I? Don't start thinking like that, Molly. Lucky drowned herself. Hillingdon was through with her. Lucky wouldn't do that. But I didn't kill her. I'll get you something to calm you down. I hate this place. It ought to be all sunlight, but it isn't. Instead, there's a shadow. A big black shadow, and I'm in it. I can't. I can't get out. Drink this, Molly. It'll steady you. I can't drink anything. Yes, you can, darling. Here you are. Drink it. Take that glass from him, Jackson, and don't let go. Be careful. He's strong and may be pretty desperate. I can't, Tim. My teeth are chattering. I'll have that, Tim. Give it to me. Have you gone mad? What the hell do you think you're doing? Let go of me. Give me the glass. Hold him, Jackson. Everything going as planned, Miss Marple. Going on? Jackson's gone stark staring mad. Tell him to let go of me. No. Time to speak up, Nemesis. We've got to have chapter and verse of some kind. I've been stupid and a fool, but I'm not being a fool now. I will wager my soul this glass has a lethal dose of narcotic in it. What the hell are you talking about? It's the same pattern as in Major Palgrave's story. 
A wife in a depressed state tries to do away with herself, but her husband saves her in time. Then the second time, she succeeds. <laughs> the Major told me the story, and he was about to show me a snapshot when he looked up and saw... Over your right shoulder, mind. No. That is where I was wrong. He didn't see anything over my right shoulder. He couldn't have done. His left eye was a glass eye. Of course it was. I'd forgotten. And so, he must have been looking at someone to the left of me. And was there anyone to the left of you? Yes. Tim and his wife were not far off, doing their accounts at a table by a big hibiscus bush. What the Major saw was a man sitting by an hibiscus bush, and the face was the same, only older, as the face in the photograph. And Tim Kendall could easily have overheard the tale that the Major had been telling you. And he saw that Paul Grave had recognised him, so, of course, he had to kill him. You've both gone out of your minds. Later, he had to kill the girl Victoria, because she realised he was the one who'd put the tablets in the Major's room. She asked too many questions. But the murder we've just prevented was the real one. The murder he'd been planning all along. He is a wife-killer, you see. Do you think anybody's going to believe any of this rubbish? Of course they won't, Tim. Esther. You could never kill anyone, my darling. I know you couldn't. It's Molly and her vicious lies. I love you and I'll never believe a word of what anyone says. For God's sake, you stupid bitch, shut your ugly mouth, can't you? Do you want to get me hanged? Poor silly creature. So that's what's been going on, is it? Oh, yes. They had formed what in my day was called a romantic attachment with the prospect of marriage in the future. You mean after Kendall's wife was dead? I don't think poor Esther knew that Molly was going to die. She believed the story Tim Kendall had told her about Molly having been in love with another man who had followed her out here. I think she counted on Tim getting a divorce. It was all quite proper and respectable, and she was very much in love with him. Well, that's easily understood. He was an attractive man, but what made him go for her? Oh, you know the answer to that, don't you? I dare say I've got a pretty fair idea. But you tell me, since you're being so clever. <laughs> you said that you had not left anything to Esther Walters in your will. But I think you have left her money. Though you weren't going to let her know that. Yes, it's quite right. But I don't know how you knew. Because you insisted so strongly you hadn't. Oh, all right. I give in. I've left Esther £50,000. I thought it would come as an, a nice surprise. And I suppose that was enough to make Candle decide to get rid of his wife and marry Esther's 50000 But how did he know she was going to get it? Jackson told him, of course. He'd read your will one day when he was snooping through your papers. They were very friendly, those two. Tim Kendall was always standing in drinks. It sounds all too plausible. What I don't understand is why Kendall didn't try to bump me off. I expect he wanted to be sure of Esther first. Besides, well, oh. I mean... <laughs> he realised he wouldn't have to wait long. He was quite right. And it would clearly be better for me to die a natural death. Deaths of millionaires are scrutinised rather carefully. He was a very clever man. He got Molly to believe that she was going mad. He left a book on mental disorders lying around so she was bound to pick it up and read it. And he gave her drugs which would induce dreams and hallucinations. 
I think Jackson suspected what was going on. That was why he was sneaking a look at Molly's face cream. He'd heard the old tales of witches rubbing themselves with ointments that had belladonna in them. Belladonna in face cream would have produced the same effect. Blackouts and hallucinations. No wonder Molly got frightened about herself. How did Kendall come to kill Lucky? Sheer chance. He had arranged with Molly that they were to meet that night at the creek. I imagine he told her some story about something there that would lead them to the murderer. She was so stupefied with the drugs he'd given her that she'd have believed anything. And he got there first and saw Lucky wearing a shawl like Molly's. He came up behind her, forced her down into the water and held her there. Oh, and he didn't even realise he'd killed the wrong woman. When he did find out, oh, he must have felt quite desperate. His only hope was to finish Molly off as quickly as possible. Then there was a good chance that everyone would believe she'd killed Lucky in a fit of mania and had taken her own life when she realised what she'd done. And it was then that you decided to play Nemesis, eh? <laughs> <laughs> if you knew what you looked like in your dressing gown with a fluffy scarf around your head standing there and saying you were Nemesis, <laughs> I'll never forget it. There was quite a little party to see me off at the airport, including the Prescotts. Do come and visit us, Miss Marble. There'll always be a welcome for you at Cruxfith Green. Jackson took charge of my luggage and was most affable, while poor Esther Walters looked older and sadder. And Mr. Raphael was being quite unexpectedly nice to her. Well, goodbye, Miss Marple. Ave Caesar. Nos morituri. Salutamus. I'm afraid I don't know much Latin. But you understand that. It's what the Roman gladiators used to say when they stood before the Emperor in the arena. We who are about to die salute you. Yes, Miss Marple. That's what it means. It has been a great pleasure to know you, Mr. Raphael. So, you're off to... Um... What did you say that funny place was? St. Mary Mead. Ah. I shall think of you sitting in your cosy cottage with your knitting. Back to the peaceful life, eh? Peaceful enough, Mr. Raphael. Until the next murder comes along. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>